Hi and welcome to another unfiltered agile conversation over bad internet. Um, I'm not sure if the podcast is nearly or has nearly been running running long enough for it to go back to its roots in air quotes. Um, originally, when I started this podcast, I wanted to do it um, while preparing or cooking food. You know, so you'd have different people talking. And you'll have the sound of food being cooked in the background, which I thought was an awesome premise. Um, seeing there's a lot of creation and creativity involved in being a scrum master, uh, to apply that to you know creating food. Uh, anyways, um, haven't posted in quite a while, and was able to get a hold of Stephen for lunch one afternoon. I just we decided, well, what the heck, let's just put down our phones and hit record and see what happens. And this is the result. So, um, I'll try and clean up the audio as best as I can, but um, we, we, we recorded this during our lunch, so you'll hear you no know, lady taking our food order and whatever the food was, very nice, uh, just to uh, mention that. Um, but uh, I truly apologize for all of the background noises that obviously we had no control over. Like a lot of people talking, a truck reversing at some stage, uh, making this irritating beeping noise, etc. And uh, I hope you find uh, something out of this. The topic for that day's discussion was our journey. How did we become Scrum Masters, how did we get to where we are now? Um, my journey obviously being significantly shorter at this stage than um, than Stevens. But as he pointed out, uh, just because one journey is not as long as the other doesn't mean that someone with a longer history or journey in Agile can, can't learn from someone with a shorter journey. Um, hope you enjoy the chat and uh, hope you have a good week. And see you guys next time. Maybe I should have a picture, who knows. Let's see how it goes. Let's pluck you over there and see what happens. There we go. See, yours got you have a wave you have a wave thing. Yeah, but I have my, a real my phone. Previous, my previous, oh, 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 oh. I got like so like last week I got so freaking angry. And I was thinking afterwards. No. What? And this is and this is again one of the things why I'm like thinking about what I'm thinking. That is, you know, is it? And this is maybe like a, a pre pre question to the main question before we get to why did you decide to become scrum master? Or scrum masters? And that might be a stupid question. Um. And I'm not, I think I know what your answer is going to be, but I'm going to ask the question in any case. Are Scrum Masters allowed to get angry? Yes. Are Scrum Masters allowed to be a little bit unreasonable? Yes. Because the current expectation there might be is I'm supposed to be the Dalai Lama. No, a monk. Yeah, you know. You're not a monk. You're a human. Emitting continuous and constant patience. And... Um, and it's I'm going to give you an example. Carry on, Dion. But I'm going to give you an example. Go for it. No, no, no. Please. No, no, no I'm it's done. That's, that's all I wanted to say. It is a struggle. 
So, um, where I'm coaching at the moment, and I won't mention it because obviously this is on a podcast, but um, where I'm coaching at the moment, I've got a classic um, adversary, a classic red personality person, yeah. and he describes me as a green personality, which is like, you know, the touchy-feely, funny-hugging person. And he always, and like obviously you won't obviously see this if you're listening to this, but he makes these hugging gestures whenever he refers to me. And um, I got into a situation where I was I was quite annoyed with how a, pro- a product owner handled the team. Yeah, the team really really went the extra mile. Yeah, and they had a, a shambolic sprint the, the time before and really yeah. pulled things right. And all I was expecting from that product owner was a thank you. It costs nothing. Yeah, it costs absolutely nothing. And anyway, she she was she's like this. Um, she's a difficult person. Yeah. And she didn't bother to thank the team. It was yeah. just like expected. And I thought, you know, I'm not expecting too much mm. because a, th- a thank you costs nothing. I mean, mm. at the end of every stand up, I thank my team. Mm. Why do I thank them? Because they're there, they're engaged, and you know, I thank them, and it costs me nothing, and it, it means something. So um, anyway, this uh, classic red personality was like, you know, oh, the, the, the touchy-feely green guy making these like huggy, huggy sort of gestures um, was upset because the product owner didn't say thank you. And I turned red really quickly. And I told him straight, I said, you know, I might, I might be a green personality, but if you want to see the red personality, the red piece of my personality come out really, really quickly, <laughs> carry on. We are allowed to get angry. We are allowed to get frustrated. We are allowed to not be monks or the Dalai Lama. Because we are human. And we, why do we get angry about things? Because we're bloody well passionate about things. Yeah, yeah. Because it means something to us. If it meant nothing, we would never get angry. And I'm angry. <laughs> so there we go. Or be on drugs. Is a scrum master allowed to be on drugs? Just take the edge off, man. <laughs> Is, is there another way? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So where did you start with all of this nonsense? I was a project manager. What is the thing that made the light bulb moment that been like, hey, this is worth going in? Okay. Started off as a dev. Yeah. Um, moved to the UK, moved to the States, came back from the States, and South Africa being South Africa, decided that I had so much, so much dev experience that I had to become a project manager. And being an idiot, I decided that yes, this is a step up. It was not. Um, I was a project manager for about four years. Hated every millisecond of it. Got to a point where I had the choice of extending a contract or resigning without a job. I resigned without a job became a dev again. So I went back and um, studied C-Sharp, SQL Server, retooled myself. Yeah, that's right. Got a job up to the West Coast um, in the steel industry, and they were doing extreme programming. Cool, nice. Light bulb moment. Light bulb moment. Yeah. No, yeah, I can just keep on. Um, yeah, could I get a... Um, with the, the pizza thing. The there we go. No, I don't want the wine list. Uh, could I get a Tex-Mex... Pizza please. Thank you. Uh, lamb wrap, my Thank you very much. Thank you. So, um, 
Yeah, these guys were doing um, extreme programming, small team, uh, 10 guys. Um, basically, that team supported the entire factory. So we were responsible for support, um, writing new software, upgrading software. Um, I walked around the, the factory. I, in fact, our office was in the middle of the factory. So we're at the factory around us. So to get into the office, hard hat, steel cap boots. And it just made sense. It was like just the way to build software. There's no other way. Um, started looking at well, where's, what is this extreme programming thing all about? And found out it was like a little piece of the puzzle underneath this bigger agile umbrella. Started looking a little bit further, found Scrum, found, found Kanban. Got the option to come back to Cape Town as a development manager, which was a very big learning curve for me because I came back as a dev manager, but I made the conscious choice not to be a technical dev manager. I wanted to be a people dev manager, which no one seems to understand. And it's, a, it's a weird thing, right? So, for example, comparing, so, I mean, I've been at two, been at two different companies now where there was a person called the dev manager, right? The one company, uh, the dev manager, that you never see him. I don't think I've ever, yeah, I never see him. Constantly in meetings, making higher up IT decisions, right? Along with the CIO or CTO. Then there's other companies, one of the previous companies, Dev manager, very technical, but also heavily invested in the devs. Not necessarily maybe on like a super people level, but he made sure that you no know, guys were continuously educated, that they were continuously exposed to like new stuff or whatever. Um, and because obviously he had the technical background, he would play around with the first, and then he would um, and he would motivate it with some sort of project, give it to a guy who wanted to learn this new thing. It's going to be awesome. You can become like a specialist for the for the company or whatever, and um, and uh, that's it. And that was pretty cool, you know. Um, so yeah, and then it sounds like the the default is dev manager is a, man, a manager of processes or. Projects no. or totally wrong. Instead of you know managing developers, it's totally wrong. And like I've had this argument so many times. My my conscious choice to be a people facing, people driven dev manager was the best for that company. Um, they moved from chaos through to agile scrum Kanban. I think what made it easier as well is the guys I was working with. Um, Masters in math, PhDs in math, working on like niche um, portfolio management software. So, how am I going to match these guys technically? I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. So, why even bother to try? Yeah. Where's my strength? My strength is with connecting people, connecting the right people in the right way to deliver the right stuff to the right people. And that's the essence. That's the essence of it. So, a technical dev manager, I think, is a crap idea. You've got a team that have got, you should have a team that are technically competent with tech leads. Lever 
off the knowledge of your tech leads and focus on the people. Everything else will fall into place. And like, you know, I've been harping on this. But I mean, it's, it's, it's also, I think as a dev manager, you've got to start to look at purpose. So, um, I had a, a little bit of a tweet backwards and forwards with Tim Ottinger and um, I can't remember the other guy now. But like, just about, um, you know, uh, creating urgency in the team. I think it's a crap idea. You know, as far as I'm concerned, to get the best out of people, you create a unifying purpose rather than a, an in- irresistible pressure. Irresistible pressure, people will break. Purpose, people unite. So, yeah. So I mean, like there, that, that's another little piece of the puzzle. I mean, during that, um, during that dev manager role, I, I did my CSM, became a Scrum master. Um, realized that the CSM exam and course and all that is like not even the tip of the iceberg. It's the dusting of snow on the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, I mean, it's a little, it's a little, I don't know, it's kind of, it doesn't really prepare you for the role at all. No. It just explains the mechanics. Well, it's the bare bones of the mechanics that it explains, right? Well, the mechanics are easy. I mean, like, but yeah, you're right. It, it, it hardly prepares you. This is a brick. This is the way a brick looks. Um, so I pick up a brick. So I put a bit brown down. Right. Hold the house. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. I think it's a brilliant analogy. Exactly. So. <laughs> what? Yes, please. That would be fantastic. You know, actually, that, that's a fantastic analogy. I mean, like, um, yeah. A CSM, a CSM course and exam shows you the brick. It may show you how bricks can lie together and how you could join them with cement. But in no way does it equip you to build that house. Yeah. And as a scrum master, they expect you to build a bloody house with a jacuzzi yeah. and like a solarium helicopter pad and have all happy people inside. Yeah. Oh, mean, and you don't? I mean, your, well, your stuff? Well, before we get to me, how did you then go from dev manager to coach? Okay, um, yeah, that's a bit of an evolution as well. So, as in part of the dev manager role was to get that space into an agile space. So, well, typically an extension of a Scrum Master role as well. Oh, absolutely. Go yeah. inwards and then yeah. outwards. Yeah. So, there were lots of, lots of challenges in that space, particularly around balancing support and new dev and QA and all that. So, it was an interesting space to, to, to play and to try. And I think this is the one thing that a lot of people don't understand and like where I got lucky. I, I had the, right off the bat, my first attempt at uh, an agile transformation was a, 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 it was a try. It was a try. Let me try this. Oh shit, didn't work. Let me try this. Oh wait, wait that worked. And it, that's what it is. It was like I was free to fail. I had a, a dev director that basically unleashed me. He said, "Look, here, go for it. Do what needs do what needs to be done. Do what needs to be done." And like he supported me. And like okay, he's as tough as nails. And I think he's probably a functioning psychotic. But um, <laughs> but he gave me he gave me the elbow room. Yeah. So I had three years to play. I had a sandbox. Um, I also had a very big sandbox. My sandbox was global. I mean, I had to support um, uh, offices around the world. So from Australia all the way through to the 
east coast of the states, um, right through Europe. So I had a big, big, big sandbox to play in. Um, and I got to do it again. So as dev manager, um, that particular role and my whole team, we all got retrenched because the company decided to move away from a certain uh, a certain platform to a new one and they didn't know what to do with us so they retrenched us. Um, my boss, the dev director, moved on to become a CEO. Uh, I went with him to become head of application development. So yet again, head of application development sounds very technical but in actual fact it should have been uh, head of people in development. Um, and I did the same thing. And then I realized that that's what I want to do. I want to help. I want to help organizations move into an agile space. I want people to move into an agile, an agile mindset. And uh, I got the opportunity to um, do that as a principal consultant with one of the larger consultancies. Then I got poached by another larger consultancy to do the same thing. <laughs> and then I left that large consultancy to do it for myself. So that's my journey. And I'm still on that journey. Still very, very interesting. Well, I mean, the idea is one thing they're going to stop. It's not going to stop. It can't stop. Mm. It stops. Then you're in trouble. Or you're dead. Or you're dead. It's also a possibility. Yeah. At least, I wonder if there's a similar service for, for coaches. Because I know there's a service that you can subscribe to. Um, like, if you're very active on Twitter. Um, and uh, there's a service you can sign up for that you can register all your social media accounts and it'll basically monitor your activity. And after you've died, it'll basically then simulate your activity beyond the grave. Yeah, but you can still like be sending like agile quotes to like Ken Beck or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> In your face, my con. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Well, that's my journey, dude. And it, it continues. This is the thing that I find, and and um, as part of, um, I'm working on this the speech thing I told you about. Sat on the scrum master yesterday. Started to read through this thing, and uh, she's got all that TED talk experience. So she's like, uh, no, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. There's a couple of things that I did like out of innocence, right? So the one is, I quoted you twice on things that you said. Yeah, I'll never do that. I was like, <laughs> your, your definition of Scrum, or de- definition, your, your definition of Agile is as a, a global thing in terms of the, uh, delivering the right thing at the right time to the right people and shortening the feedback so you say this, and we are friends. So I say, my friend, Stephen, mentions this thing. You can't do that in squeegees, because it's called name drop. I was like, I wasn't purposefully doing that. I was just stating facts. So part of the rewrite is now this is that my friend. <laughs> but the thing that, you know, while I was working through the speech again, and continuing to work on this thing, is just reiterating what you said. That is, every person has a unique journey, and that I think is also, I think one of the, I think one of the challenges, at least for me as a scrum master, is you know, 
every person in your team, you know, has their own unique history and set of experiences. They look at things differently, and you have to, you know, get them <laughs> to kind of go on this journey together. And each one's going to have a different path, potentially a different experience, um, and getting them to move in the you know, same direction or general same direction. General same direction. Um, is difficult, really challenging. It's fun, but sometimes you know, I want to bash my head against something. <laughs> yeah. Like, why don't we get this? <laughs> it's a simple thing. Anyway. Yeah. Yep. People's doing it. Well, the trick is trying to keep them all together at the same pace. It was like a, um, a story that I read or someone told to me about um, a scoutmaster who took um, a scout troop on a on a hike, and one of the one of the guys was yeah, yeah as a whole bunch of boys are. You know, one of the guys was not particularly sporty, a little bit of a big dude. And he kept lagging behind and they had to stop and wait for him to catch up and then he would have to catch his breath or he'd sit down and he was just having a just notoriously crap time. Sounds like me. Sounds like it sounds like any one of us at any I given hate time. I hate yeah, but any one of us at any <laughs> given time is that dude at yeah, the yeah. <laughs> So what did the the Scoutmaster do? He put this dude in the front. Yeah. And then they went at his pace. And they all went together. And everyone ended up at the at the camping site at the same time. That's another thing as well, and that is um, something that I've personally experienced as well. And um, similar there is you have someone that's lagging or not interested or what they whatever make them responsible of something. Now ask them, you know, if they want to, if they want to drive with something, you know, what do they want to drive with or whatever. So, for example, um, we have a junior in our team, right? And you know, this guy is chill. Um, you know, he works at his pace and then he doesn't have really work. He like, you no, know, just just tends tend to like browse the internet or whatever. But. Um, or when, when he gets stuck, he'll like ask me something or whatever, because I used to be a dev or ask one other dev. Um, but with the whole art thing, there's a lot of days that I'm not at the office. And it turns out <laughs> that the days that I'm not at the office, especially if it's Friday, the team have dubbed it uh, Scrum Master Friday. And on Scrum Master Friday, this guy plays Substance Scrum Master. And he like runs around and facilitates stuff and he's good at it, you know, so get things going and guys are responding to this and that and whatever. And it's something that you know, he's taken up on his own and, and yeah. runs it. And I'm still thinking, oh, that's freaking awesome. You know? Maybe he's the Scrum Master and not a <laughs> Different animal. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Talk to them.
I don't know. Mine is still early days. So is mine. Yeah. Yeah. But mine compared to yours is a little. Anyway. Wrong no. thing to do. Yeah, I guess it's true. What you're saying, what you're saying there is, I haven't learned anything from you. Or I, I, haven't, I haven't had the opportunity to learn from you, or I'm incapable of learning from you. Pieces of your journey might be. Pieces, pieces <laughs> of your journey might be further along than mine. Pieces of my journey are further along than yours. So it's, it's, it's one of those things. I, I think. Don't close. Killing something. <laughs> no. 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 Well, I mean, I mean, it started with you. Well, not you. I think one of the main catalysts, but. Um, for me, it started um, um, when I was back at one of my previous companies, and I was part of the specialist development team that would get contracts out to companies to help save them from themselves. Well, heavy deadline troubles, essentially, right? So we got we got contracted out twice, and in both cases, these companies were facing like very tight deadlines, massive fines, you know. And um, we'd get stuck in and we'd get the job done, you know. Um, both cases we made our deadlines and everything was cool. And um, at the second one we got, we got contracted to, we had this massive, um, this massive wall between business and IT to the extent where um, if we as IT fouled up on anything, the instruction would be don't let business know. <laughs> yeah. Because no, then they're gonna you know, throw a fit or do something or whatever. Don't let business know. Let's keep it in our ammo bag. Right? And if, if they fell up, then we can go bonk them, you know, yeah. with a baseball bat. And I, I, was, I was joking about it but at the time, but it was absolutely true. Meetings were, 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 were no, meetings was war, you know. You took your weapon of choice, you would go. I mean, I had never experienced something like this ever in my life. And, you know, the environment was cutthroat, really cutthroat. Um, and everything was, you know, super heavy, process-driven. You know, my machine got locked out because of you know, my password expired or whatever. I had to phone a call center, which, depending on the time of the day, would sit in India, America, or Ireland. They would then try to deal with me for an hour. Then, if they found out, okay, well, uh, local tickets will need to resolve, and that call would get placed back to someone sitting no further than 20 meters away from me, right? Yeah. And then, then it's on their list of 100 things to do. So now you can't work. So now you have to go to this other person, and this other, and you have to be motivated with this other person. This other person then has to escalate that thing, and then it moves up in. Thinking, yeah. long story short. But you see, you know why they do that though. They they try and solve their problems with process because they're totally risk averse and totally. No. Uh, fear of failure, all that stuff. Yeah. So let's process everything into the great blue yonder, and that'll make everything fine. But I mean, the, the similar approach is taken to everything. Yeah. We need to make a decision, right? We need to have then 
we need to make a decision. Okay, right, so we yeah. then we need to have a meeting. Are there any meeting rooms available? No. So, hence we can't make a decision. So now we have to wait for meeting room to become available, and we need to become available for that time slot for that meeting, so that we can go and sit in that meeting, with our weapons of choice, fight it out, and then make a decision. And we were thinking there, and us devs that was part of the specialist team, we're like, we, 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 we went to our project manager and said, why can't we just make a choice? Why can't we just make a decision? Yeah. Hell, I'll make a decision. I'll make a decision right now. Of course, we need to move on. And you're in the best place to make that decision. Yeah, exactly. Right? So we need to move on. We need to find out if this thing, if the choice we want to make is going to work out or not. But we won't know until we made it and start doing it. And if it doesn't work out, fine. We'll try something else. But we need to make a decision. And I kid you not, there's been, chance, there's been cases where we like wait for a week before we can make a decision. Anyways, so our tech lead, our team lead there uh, at that time decided, he was also part of the specialist team and was also my mentor from a development point of view, said, right, fine, we need a Scrum Master just to help deal with all of this nonsense, right? So we can focus on our dev work and he can sort of stuff. And we got a guy, a short little guy, old guy, awesome guy. Someone's food is oh, it's a truck over there. Um, anyways, so <laughs> this podcast this is gonna this is gonna sound awesome on the on the recording, by the way. So um, yeah, we got this guy out, and within three months, everything had changed. And the main thing that he did was right, fine. Um, business doesn't know what the hell is going on in IT. They think IT is just lying off their butts. And the people that were representing IT were most certainly doing that. Um, and the guys from Brazil were doing the same. So it's a right, fine. The first thing we need is transparency. So transparency, open up, and you know, open forum, da 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 da. And that alone made a massive difference. And that for me was the first light bulb moment. Okay, this is, this is amazing. Right, so. We are now working the way I've always been used to working, you know, and it took three months to change. It's amazing. What, the, what is it? Um, and we didn't do like full, no, full on no, Scrum 101, but we did the necessary stuff. So we had our stand-ups. I don't think we had any retros, but we had stand-ups. We had like, um, like a massive planning session in the beginning just to like, of course we had all of our requirements of so we just sized everything, prioritized it, and then we just start tackling it one by one by one. So didn't necessarily have a board, but we would just communicate every day. What are we doing? What are we aiming to deliver in a week's time? Okay, cool. That's it. At the end of the week or whatever, when it's time to deliver, we'll drop our release documentation to the boards. Guys would get together, they version the software, and out we go, and we all go move on to the next thing. Um, one thing we also did there was share what we thought would be groundbreaking knowledge. So if you develop something significant or you find you found something or discover something that's worth sharing, every week we made a point of having information sharing sessions of an hour where you would go and present something. Mm. Um, open space, like a little, um, you know, um, little noteboard or whatever. Do your stuff and explain to everybody. Everybody's on the same page. So very, very flat. And that, that to me, like, oh, this is, this is awesome, right? 
So, <clears throat> when I moved to where I'm now, you know, I saw, oh, cool. We can make use of this you know, whole scrum thing. Um, I tried it out for a bit. And I went, I went to my project manager first and I said, listen, uh, I'm going to try the scrum thing. Can we, can we, can we, can we give it a go? He's like, uh, yeah, sure, go crazy. Um, and uh, I said, well, I want to I try it for like a, a period, like, like, like four months. Right? Yeah, sure, cool. Uh, have fun. So I did it in our little development team. Everybody was on board, like, yeah, sure, let's try it, see what it works. Um, obviously, I had my idea of the way things should work. They didn't really super read up and study and all of that stuff. So that month was a uh, complete result. But I did see some benefits in terms of making things visible and all of that stuff. And then uh, <coughs> the idea has been in my head the whole time of I want to go into this agile thing. I'm not sure how to do it or how to get started or whatever. Um, and uh, as our team changed and we changed architects, one of the architects joined our team and um, he had come from another company where they were like practicing Agile on Mac. And it's like, oh cool, you, you like Agile? I like uh, Lab Lab. Thank you. Ooh. Yeah, I just put it on. That looks insane, dude. Thank you. Enjoy it. Another round? Another round. Yeah, so I mean, he, he was into like, um, what you call it, Agile and he knew about it and we could talk the same language and then he was, he started to explain some of the stuff that they did with their previous company and how they work and all of the stuff. Um, so when the, when the opportunity came, came along, <coughs> this is where you into the picture, where somewhere, Someone had decided we we <laughs> we need to go agile. I love the fact that again, you know, some things the right thing starts for the wrong reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in this case, oh, this agile thing makes us work faster. Yeah, you guys must do agile. <laughs> you will do it now. And yeah. then you got called. In, and when the opportunity came up for for a need for scrum master, I'm like, oh. I'll do that. Yeah. And uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I did the scrum master training, and I learned that the scrum master training really doesn't teach you a lot. Um, at which point I decided, like, well, and as I'm working with with the team that I had at that stage, realized okay, there's obviously a lot more to this. So. Um, yeah, I mean, since then, trying to dig down and explore more. So I did my CSM, did the, the CSPO sort of kind of thing, which showed me more about the role of the Scrum Master, because it showed now where that puts to play with the product owner. So, um, yeah, I mean, I want to break down the line, and you know, I've told you that many times, but I want to explore every facet, you know, because um, I want to get a holistic picture of how everything fits together. And the moment you understand that everything fits together, then you can start messing around with it and customizing it for the needs of the people that you're working with. Hmm. But yeah, that's, uh, that's me. That holistic view might be proved to be 
elusive. Yeah, yeah. But as you see more, you see what you don't know yet. Yeah, well, that's currently one of my biggest, um, uh, my biggest dilemmas, and also fun experiences. Because I love challenges. I mean, and you know, people constantly ask me if I don't, don't even miss developing. I say, well, if I want to code, nothing stops me from coding. I can go home and write a piece of whatever, right? If I really wanted to. But soft my the reason why I was employed was as part of these specialist teams is I and not just me every member that was part of this team, you could give them like a clue of what's wrong or what needs to happen or whatever. A one line of requirement and they could do everything, you know. And I relished the challenge in that, you know, the fact that you need to go and flesh out all the requirements and do this and figure things out and you know face all these challenges and prototype things and do this and do that. Um, for example, um, one of the things that we had to do in the previous company while I was part of this team is, you know, we had to deploy our own stuff. Part of that is, well, how do you set up a web server? How do you set up a mail server? FTP server? I had to learn all of that stuff, you know? It wasn't like, oh, this person's going to do it for you. You had to do it yourself. And um, I think that also helped me, you know, also helped, sort of trained me or coached me into you know, the way I think about Agile today. And that is, you know, you do what you need to do to move forward, you know, because you know, if anything is stopping your progress, you know, it's ultimately, you know, your responsibility or you need to take ownership of that thing because unless you don't, you're not going to move forward. Um, you are that individual and you as a team, but, you know, someone needs to drive that stuff. And, um, and people tend to want to, you know, move things off, you know. So, uh, this is not my problem, this is your problem, this is this person's problem, that person's problem. And uh, the way that I see I see you know, agile operating the same way that you know, I've, let's call it, grown up in the, in the IT industry, and that is, we as this specialist development team, we had a goal. We had a hard goal. We need to make this thing work by this time. That's it. And everybody was on board to make it happen. And if you see, and if if you ever saw that someone was stuck with anything, you know, and you knew you could help them, even if you didn't know you could help them, but you could have, you know, you had time to help them or whatever, you would go and sit there because ultimately you're benefiting the overall team to move the guy to, to move it forward. But like what you're talking about there is what we chatted about right at the beginning. Yeah. Pur purpose over pressure. Yeah. If you have a common purpose, you're going to be in a mindset where you can do that. Yeah. Because it's... it's our commitment, it's our goal, our purpose. So, so yeah, the only thing, of, only thing that I would want to put in there is like, it's all great having the ability to make decisions um, and that autonomy, uh, I think is absolutely essential, but the only time it actually works, it works really well is if you've got the mechanisms in place to have those really fast feedback loops. So I want you to make the decisions. I want you to 
choose something because it makes sense. You're there. You're in a better position to make those decisions yeah. than anyone else. Yeah. But then I also want really quick feedback loops. So if you've made the wrong decision, yeah. we can sort it out. Yeah. So I've got no problem with you making the wrong decision. A wrong decision is better than no decision. Because mm. a wrong decision at least shuts something down. And it may even open up the path that we need to take. So it's autonomy, responsibility, collective purpose, and, and fast feedback. Yes, yes, the one thing that... And um, one of my pet peeves is... Um, I mean, I've, a decision, you know, if you want to make a decision, even even when you've... The other thing about decisions is, unless you have overwhelming evidence, right, you won't necessarily, especially when there's a lot of unknowns involved, know which one is the right one. The key thing is you need to choose a direction so you can start learning as quickly as possible filling the missing gaps with whatever data you, you're gathering and then make a better informed decision. But the, the biggest thing for me that frustrates me, and this is like a day-to-day thing, is when I go to somebody and I get the response, um, I'll ask a question or whatever, right? And people say, I don't know, we don't know. Right? And then it stops there. I'm fine with anybody not knowing. Hell, I don't know a lot of things. But what's your next action? <laughs> you want to get the feedback, right? So you need to do something <laughs> to get that learning in. And it's like I like last thing and people say, I I don't I don't know. We don't know. So 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 we don't know. No. So <laughs> What do you need to go find out? Who are you talking to? Who, who, who are you asking about? What are you doing? What are we building? What are we experimenting with? You know, what are we going to try to find out? You know, and uh, yeah, I think that I think if 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 you can get a team, if a team can get that one thing, this common goal and then what we don't know let's put some plans together to find out what we don't know and then make a better decision yeah I would take it even further yes in fact yes what what we don't know we need to fill in those blanks we also need to understand that there will be things that we don't know we don't know and in, in those cases Making an assumption is really not a bad idea. Well, what we, the what thing is, you won't even be able to make an assumption because you don't know. You don't know. Well, okay, yes. Over and above that, one thing that you did mention that I want to actually just challenge is, in the face of overwhelming evidence, do not assume that even with that overwhelming evidence, that is right. correct. I'll give you an example. Um, about a hundred, no, about 150 years ago. Yeah. Um, it was common knowledge that all swans were white. <laughs> okay. There was no evidence existing 
in the known world that there was any other color swan. So all swans were right, were white. Were those people right? Based on the evidence in front of them? Yes. But in actual fact, they were wrong. Black swans exist, they just never saw them. The, um, yeah. I, yeah, I just again. This is a massive, a massive, and I, I know why. I know why, but again, a massive um, just question mark in my head is why people, especially in the corporate environment, are typically afraid to make a decision and to commit to that decision because there's a difference, right? Um, making a decision as a team and committing to that decision. People are afraid in corporates to make a decision because of the ramifications. I mean, I'll give you an example where, as an independent consultant, I was asked to evaluate a piece of software that someone paid a very, very large amount of money for. The evaluation basically clearly clearly illustrated that the software was woefully inadequate. So you would think that based on that evidence, um, you know, there would be decisions made to either um, rectify the software or make some other sort of, um, some, 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 other, some, some form of re remediation needs to be put in place. The decision was made that I needed to leave the building immediately. <laughs> Why? Because someone signed that off and there would, there would be serious ramifications. Organizations are fear-averse, they are risk, um, they're fear-driven and risk-averse. And people want to cover their own ass. I think that's, yeah. you know, you're 100% right there, I mean, and again, me with the background that I have, that concept is extremely strange. Because in the situations that we've been in the past, you know, as you said before, there'd be a lot more damage and delays if no decision was taken. So given the knowledge you have at the time, you make the sucker and you see what happens. I mean, I mean that's that's how we learn, right? I mean, you. Well, this is the one thing that's. Um you know, to, to move into that space where you are able to have a safe-to-fail environment, you've got to have the assumption that people will make a decision to the best of their ability based on the information that they have at the time. Mm -hmm. that, that's all you can ask from someone. Mm -hmm. Based on the information that you have at the time, you will make the best decision possible. And if you make a mistake, because you've got quick feedback loops, you can recalibrate and sort it out. But if you make, if you take your time, and I mean it's like a lean principle, you decide as late as possible, okay? Because you've got more information later in the process. But the only way that that works is if you can execute on that really quickly and you have really fast feedback loops. So, but you need to make a decision. Bad decision is better than no decision.